This is Vladimir Kramnik and you're listening to the full English breakfast. This is episode number 47 of the Full English Breakfast. I'm Macaulay Peterson. I've turned this week's episode entirely over to international master Lawrence Trent, who arranged an interview with professional football player and aspiring chess master John Urschel. In a wide-ranging conversation, Urschel schools Lawrence on American football, or as we say in America, football, and Lawrence provides tips on beating Simon Williams and probes Urschel's unusual academic and athletic credentials, as well as his love affair with chess. Apologies in advance for the slightly rough sound. I turned the show over to Lawrence at my peril, but the chat itself was interesting, so sit back and enjoy. We're here with John Urschel here at the Full English Breakfast. Hello, John. Absolutely delighted to have you on. Thank you for having me. Perhaps a little introduction for all of our listeners. I'll do one quickly and then we'll get into the meat and bones of the pod. John, uh, well, I met John uh, a year ago, actually, I believe it was exactly more or less a year ago to the day almost at the Liberty Science Genius Gala, which is the annual event of uh, Liberty Science Center, which for many of you listening will know, sponsored Fabiana Caruana. And I was working with Fabiana and I had the delightful uh, opportunity to go there and meet John. The word genius and successful and various other similar adjectives and nouns are thrown around like they mean nothing. But this guy over here really does tick all the boxes because he is an elite athlete being the offensive lineman for the Baltimore Ravens and is a genius mathematician because he is doing his PhD at MIT. Have I got that right? Yes. (laughs) And he's bloody big. So let's get into that. Now, here at the Full English Breakfast, we're English. We don't know anything about certain American sports. I would say NFL was the one that I know least about, but I'm going to go for the wild guess. An offensive lineman is, look, I met you, you are a towering hunk of, we like to say a brick shithouse where I'm from. We're going to have to edit that out, okay? You are a big guy, you're solid. Now, my guess is you are not like a super quick runner. So you're not the guy who goes around the flanks or when the um, quarterback throws the ball, you're down the other end of the field sort of throwing. I would guess that you are a guy that basically says, you over there, you shall not pass. Is that this is exactly right? This is you are a blocker, right? You must be a yes. blocker, or a taker down, or a, or like you chase them and you take them down or something. But or or I, I don't quite know how it works, but that would be my intuition. No, you're exactly right. Yeah, block. This is this is my function. So you have to eat a lot, right, to be a blocker, right, and maintain your size. Yeah, I have to I have to eat a fair amount because I have to eat a fair amount. I get to eat more or less whatever I want, which is that's pretty. This, cool. is, this is a nice. Thing. That's a very fortunate situation. And you play for the Baltimore Ravens. Now, one thing I'm definitely no zero about is, and forgive me for this, I have no idea where they are in the league, how they do in general. We might have briefly spoken about this last year, but I don't know if you guys are like getting close to Super Bowl finals and all of that sort of stuff. So educate me. Okay, so I will educate you. Yeah. So right now, the season hasn't even started yet. So the oh. season starts in September. I remember, yes. We was- and an interesting thing about the NFL that's slightly different than a lot of European structures is there's only one league 
there's no lower leagues, and there's no promotion or relegation. Oh, okay. And in fact, something very interesting is that the National Football League actually has a lot of procedures and rules in place mm-hmm. that actually reward being bad and punish being good. So they have a lot of like mean reversion type techniques. I see. So, okay, I'll go on. Give yeah, give me an example. Yeah. When new talent comes out, it's not like European football where you know you buy young talent. Instead, all these players come out and there's a draft system, mm-hmm. and the worst teams get to pick first. The worst teams get to pick first. So to try and level the playing field. To try. So everything in the NFL tries to level the playing field. But so you said that no no teams can be relegated or promoted, right? That's yes. quite unfortunate though, right? Because imagine there are some lower tier teams that have been working really hard and they want to play against the best. How are they rewarded through for their efforts? So here's the interesting thing. There's not really any lower tier teams. Oh, there's no lower tier leagues. There's interesting. No, I mean, there's a, there's a Canadian Football League. Mm-hmm. They have a different set of rules, and there are some other football leagues, but there's an arena football league, but this is very fringe. Okay. So there's really only one league. That, and how many teams? 32. Ah, so it's a, it's a very big league. Okay, right, yes, I got it. 32 teams. And, and so how do the Baltimore Ravens do it? Where would you class them in the league? I'd say we're top 10, top 12. You're a top 10, top 12 team. Okay, yes. interesting. It, it varies. So we've, we've gone through a slight slump. Two years ago, our star quarterback got injured. Oh, okay. And this turned into a poor season. Last year, we just barely missed the playoffs, which only the top 12 teams go to. Mm-hmm. Okay. The year before that, so three years ago, we were in the playoffs. We were one of the top 12 teams, and we won our first round. So we got down to the round of eight. Okay. And even five years ago, we actually won the Super Bowl. Oh, you won? Were you part of that yeah. team? I was not part of that team. Oh, that's a shame. So, so how long have you been at Baltimore? We won the Super Bowl in 2012 and in 2000. Oh. It's about time for another Super Bowl win, huh? How about that yeah. for next season? If you get to the finals, can I come out to? Can I come out there? I would love to. I would love to see it. And I'm not talking about the Lady Gaga halftime show. I think it was Lady Gaga, right? Hold on one second. Jabba, who was doing the halftime show at the Super Bowl this year? Gaga. Lady Gaga. We watched it because we were we were going to a wedding in London and we watched it. Um, so I wouldn't come out there for that though. Yeah, not the big. I'm not like anti Lady Gaga, but I would love to come out there. That must be such a spectacle. So, all right. So um, now, like a lot of people are going to just berate me for what I've just done because oh, this stupid English guy doesn't know anything. It's like, yeah, I don't. I'm sorry, I just don't know much about NFL. It's just not my sport. Um, you, as I mentioned in the intro, yes, are an elite athlete. You have got people that adore you for your position. They want to pay money for you. They want to pay money for transfers and to support you and everything else you are as elite as it comes and yet you are probably one of the only if not the only person i've ever spoken to who is also an elite in academia obviously with i I wouldn't count chess as the same thing so somebody who's top player in the world at chess and then happens to have a phd in physics i don't classify as being in the same league as you because you take something that is requires with a huge physical the majority of the physical element and then you've got the academic element is there anybody else like you we we do have uh we have some people in the nfl who they do go back to school and perhaps get an mba or i'm not interested 
interested in MBAs. I'm interested in PhDs in applied mathematics. Who else in the world of sport has got a, a PhD in maths and simultaneously studying, by the way, simultaneously studying a maths PhD at MIT or other recognized institution and is in the first team lineup of a major sports team. Is there anybody else? There was someone oh, who? once okay. in the 70s. Okay. There was a quarterback who got his PhD in math from Case Western, which Don't I know believe it well. is a uh, smaller school in Ohio, I think. Okay. Which is a state in the U.S., but I've heard I've heard of the university. But in NFL, basically, it's you and, and possibly him, but there's nobody else. So it's a remarkable feat what you are doing. How did this actually come to pass? What came first, the chicken or the egg? The the, the football or the math? The math came first. The math came first. Okay. So even when I was very little, my mother just noted that you know I had strong quantitative skills. I could recognize shapes easily. I was very good with puzzles. Mm -hmm. So I always had a strong math talent, but football was the thing that actually took a lot lot of hard work because i wasn't extremely athletic interesting when i was younger so when did you start noticing that you could be a very decent football player so in high school in I high started school playing and i i started playing late most people start okay. playing when they're much much younger just okay. like you know european football players and i was very strong i was very aggressive and i had an extremely good work ethic and these were the things that really set me apart early on. And this is something that has carried me through, even as I've you know, tried to improve my athleticism, try to improve my strength. There's the key word, work ethic. That's what separates you, isn't it? Because I don't understand how you could balance both things. Because also I'm thinking, my word, NFL, the allure of just doing that and being comfortable in that profession, obviously well, compensated, uh, nice and uh, well-known. How do you motivate yourself to continue simultaneously studying the math? So a lot of people can look and say like, hey, NFL, you know, all this money, all these sorts of things. The things that really motivate me to play pro football or to get my PhD in math, it's less outside influences and it's more just me internally. The things I just have a desire to do. I play in the NFL because because I love playing football and to be able to play at the elite, elite level. And at my heart, I'm also a mathematician. I love solving very hard problems. So it's not like someone who says, man, I really need to do this. Like I need to do this job to feed my family. These are two things that I very much want to do. And when mm. the desire is there of you really wanting to do something, it's much easier to do. That's very interesting. So it's like, I'm thinking like, I want to do a lot of stuff, but like, like you know, like becoming a grandmaster would be nice. That's the first step. And we're going to talk about chess in a minute because this is a chess podcast. But I just wanted to provide some context for our listeners because you're a very unique guy, as, as we've already established. And we won't go into the technical side of, of your math studies because, well, I think it'll be lost on a lot of our audience. It'll certainly be lost on me. Unless you want to sum it up for, for your average layman, what is, that, is exactly are you doing for your PhD at the moment at, at MIT? Uh, so I've studied a number of things. I started out actually in mathematical physics. Okay. I studied a lot of things in celestial mechanics, which is dealing with how planets relate to each other and actually looking at instabilities in our solar system. Wow. Yes. So this was my. Uh, so that's the linkage to uh, to the Liberty Science Center, then, is it? Because they they have a, they have quite a big emphasis on. You know, this paper, the 
this first paper of mine is one of the reasons for the connection. I've done right. that. I've done some work in financial mathematics. Currently, I do a lot of things related to artificial intelligence, trying to teach computers how to think for themselves and how to kind of learn from data, just like we learn. From uh, another connection, and and you know what, I'll probably have to reach out as well to uh, to this guy uh, following this chat. I had no idea about that, but I know Demis Hassabis from Google DeepMind, who, really? yes, I know him personally. I've, I've met him on many occasions, and um, well, you probably know Google DeepMind quite well, and yeah, obviously AlphaGo and, and, and what's been happening with AlphaGo. They just had another event. Yes, AlphaGo is just, for the record, yeah. this just blows my mind. Unbelievable. Before AlphaGo, and I was in the majority here when I thought it would be at least a decade before any computer computer system could beat an elite go player yeah just because of the structure of the game yeah amazing i was i was so shocked yeah this is the amazing thing that you know deep learning has really really done and it's so much different it's a completely different type of intelligence than a chess engine type of intelligence completely disjoint from what i could gather and again i'm not an expert in this field so this is the way i've understood it the difference between Go and chess is that Go is a much more intuitive game in inverted commas, and therefore it's more difficult for a machine to grasp it because with chess, there's obviously lots of hard calculation. And with yes. with with Go, it's a field game to a certain extent and a spatial yes. awareness game. Is that is that a good summary? Uh, it's a good summary. Go is not really different than chess in that Go at the end of the day, it is a game. There's a fixed game tree, just like in chess, and this is a zero-sum game, just like chess. The difference between Go and chess is that Go's game tree compared to chess's game tree, these are of completely different orders of magnitude. The game tree is so extremely large because there's so many different possible right. moves, all of which you don't really know the repercussions of until later, that it's completely infeasible for modern computers to treat Go the same way that they treat chess. Right. So that's not to say that at some point in the future, we may have computers which can do computations and can do things on Go, which we're currently doing for chess, but it's an extremely long way away if we ever get there. If you try to use the same techniques that chess engines use, let's just say basic, mm -hmm. you know, you do some kind of changes on something like alpha beta pruning, this fails spectacularly on Go. It just it doesn't work. Wow. It'd be the equivalent of saying, okay, let's have a chess engine try to beat you, but the chess engine can really only see the consequences of, I don't know. Two moves. moves yeah, okay. And it can't see four. Right, okay. And I'm talking half moves, so let's say two full moves. Okay, how interesting. Because you know what, I've been I've been watching, I've, I remember when I watched the first AlphaGo match, I was completely fixated on the match. I've, I watched the recent one, I watched the guy, I think his name is Redmond, I think he's like a nine Dan player going through the moves and this is a cut and this is a you know and so all the terminology and it it kind of brought up it kind of brought up feelings though of the excitement i got when i first started learning chess the terminology right and he's going through all of this i'm like wow this is so fantastic and i'm looking at the board no idea what's going on i understand the rules 
that you have yes. to territory and so on. Territory, closing uh, people, capturing, yes. But the way you were saying, you know, AlphaGo, he's just played this move. They played this 150 years ago. Um, it was considered a dud line, and it's been. And so AlphaGo is just creating all of these, literally creating opening theory, right, and further, right. Yeah. So it's just so fascinating to watch that. So that's go. So tell us. Let, let's talk about chess because another talent that john has and i'll be honest with you i think talent is strong no is a, i just dis i disagree for a guy this is, this is a aspiration of mine Let's well look i saw john play against fabiano at the exhibition event last year and given your background in what you're doing and given what i saw in the game you were holding your own for about 15 to 20 moves as far as i remember yeah that's, right that's about right yeah, yeah. That, so you are a, a very very decent player tell us a, about your love affair with chess if it is a love affair or, or what it is what is your relationship to chess no it, it certainly is a love affair i uh, i learned how to move the pieces when i was younger i think around first or second grade but i never really played again after learning until i reached college and what happened was one of my friends on the team the college football team he did a summer internship and he did a summer internship with a professional chess player. Oh, okay. And she would play chess with him every day. And I think she would, you know, put it on a clock and she would get 15 seconds and he would get like five minutes and he, okay. she would beat him every time. Right. And he came back and he thought he learned all these amazing things. So then he wanted to start playing people. And I hadn't really played him like since I was a little kid, but I yeah. started playing and I you started beating him. Okay. Beating, beating him. And so this is how I kind of got back into chess. It's something that I'm very passionate about. I love some of the beautiful geometry on the board. Fantastic. Yeah. And especially end game type positions, how it can become very mathematical in the sense of just like a mathematical proof. So at higher levels of math, the idea is you have something you want to show. Right. And the way you do it is you try to prove this to be so. For example, if you have a position and you look at a move and you want to figure out, does this win or does it not? It's very similar to math in that theorems just don't come out of thin air. They're built on lemmas and propositions. Just like, for example, let's say a rook ending you can actually stop your analysis at a certain place. Right. Because you have knowledge of something to say, right. this trade here, the pawn ending is winning. Right. And you know this from theory, or you can say, this reduces to a theoretical draw. And this is very similar to how in math, you're trying to prove a theorem, and if you can reduce it to a lemma that you know, well, this is how you want to go about things. So is that is that the allure for you then, that there is that, there is that similarity? Is that what draws you to it, and the geometry, as you said, or are there other aspects like, you know, there's, there's a competitive element and... No, there's other things. It's also the competitive element really speaks to me because I think it's a fascinating game where there's competitive aspect, but it's not like something like tennis where I think the key difference here, and this is something that's really interesting and nuanced, mm -hmm. is if you're playing tennis against an elite person like Serena Williams, mm -hmm. you can lose like spectacularly easily without doing anything of any fault of your own. Mm. Whereas I don't care who I'm playing in chess, they can't beat me until I make a mistake. Oh, that's an interesting point. It's the only game where I don't care who I'm playing and I don't care how good they are. When I lose, if I lose, I only have myself to blame. And of course, the skill of my opponent very much has an effect on how hard they make it on me. Mm. But if I play good moves 
for the entire game, they can't beat me. So it's kind of like in tennis, actually, they've got the correct term there, which is a forced error or an unforced error, right? So, yes. so yeah. in tennis, you can have forced errors whereby through your opponent's maneuvering, they can force you to commit a mistake. But in chess, there's not really such a thing as a forced error. It's a yeah. self-inflicted error. Yes. I mean, your opponent can try to, you know, make positions he can, strange. He can create create the pressure yeah. right but he can't yeah. actually make you make a mistake right whereas no, he, he can't make you do this no matter what he does he can't make you do this there's something very beautiful in that as well isn't there because yeah. yeah and there's something very satisfying and also very challenging about it because really the responsibility is always on you you have no one else to blame when you lose it is solely on you in this really interesting way. That's really interesting. Well, there is, there is one exception. I once played a tournament in Italy and my opponent, it was a sweltering day, 33 degrees outside, no aircon in the playing hall. And my opponent came in, looked like he'd just gone for a swim. And this opponent, who will remain nameless. Okay. Um... Let's just say the stench was so strong that sitting across from him, only a couple of feet across from him, was an impossible feat for me. It actually happened that I went to the organizer and I said, I think he's breaking the rules of chess. It was his pong was so much that I couldn't sit opposite him for an extended period of time because there was no air in the playing hall. He's, I mean, we're just talking about reeks. He, you know, it was just terrible. And he said, well, look, there's nothing we can do. We can't forfeit him. There are no showers in the place. So do you know what I did? I played the game standing up, made a move and went left the board. Couldn't sit there. So I think that would be one case of having a forced error. Imagine I got into time trouble. What would I do? I'd have to like get one of those masks. And just... <laughs> but of course I'm being facetious, but- uh... I understand. And actually I was, uh, I was watching uh, Reykjavik. Oh, okay, yeah. With uh, Simon and Fiona. My... And I swear to you, if I ever play Fiona- What's that? Over the board game. What's going on? I am bringing like a bushel of bananas. Were they eating a lot of bananas or what was going on? Do you not know about this? I don't know. I didn't watch so, the stream. Go on, tell Fiona, me. Fiona, Fiona, little known fact. Yeah. Feels ill when she's around bananas. No. Yes. I didn't like, know that. I've known her for years. I had no idea about that. Like open bananas. You're kidding me. Where are you? What, just sitting on the table? Just a bushel of bananas and I would just slowly open and I would just let it sit on the table. That's wonderful. However, how... I, like, Fiona even lived where I'm, like, I never knew that. She never told me about that. Like, she'd have to resign on the spot. No. Wow. What's that about? That's some weird phobia thing right there, right? She got traumatized in her childhood with some bananas, banana incidents, the only... Yeah, and then Simon started traumatizing her. Yeah. yeah. By the way, if you want to beat Simon at chess, um, I suggest that uh, you write a nice note next to his board saying that there's a free bar, and that will most likely give you the upper hand because he'll be visiting it quite often. Shout out to my boy Simon Williams. Me and him, we've had a few drinks over the years. You know, you probably can't drink right no, I, I can drink you can drink that's no, all right I can drink. moderation moderation right do they have rules like you like if do you ever get tested for drink you must do right tested for drinks and drugs uh we don't get tested for drinks we get tested for drugs just for drugs okay but so you can like if it's off season like it is now you can go out and have yeah. a drink on the weekend and it's mm -hmm. cool right okay fair enough of what a, let, let's let's go down this route then because we've been all nice and fluffy and talking about math and beauty let's go down the road of vice and you know let's do it let's do it people know me i've got my odd weakness mr john Herschel. what do you do 
that you shouldn't do. And of course, please be as uh, careful as you possibly can. The Full English Breakfast does not take any responsibility for any for anything that happens after this podcast poster production. So, uh, no, no, this is this is very fair. But uh, tell us. What is it you like to do? Do you, do you go on binges of any sort? Not alcohol binges, but binges and anything. Are you hooked on certain computer games? Like, do you go on all night CSGO binges for 12 hours sometimes? I don't know. Anything you like. I'm going to ponder this first. You ponder it. Yeah. Use that big old brain of yours. I actually have been known to go on binges if there's like a television series I want to watch. Yeah. So I don't have cable. Why would you? I mean, but I, I don't have it. But you've got all those books there. Why on earth would you have exactly, a television? But if there's perhaps a show that you know I have a desire to watch, somehow I'm incapable of just watching an episode. You have to do the whole thing. <laughs> I will watch a whole season for like 10, 12 hours straight. You're kidding me. No, I'm dead serious. So are you like, are you into Game of Thrones, for example? That must be so. You must love Game. No, not. I, I've never seen it. You're kidding me. I've never seen. Well, I'll tell you what. Problem. Go on. I don't want to start right now because yeah, I'm too you... <laughs> And there's like, what are there, like six seasons? Forget it, buddy. You cannot start that. Like five days. Yeah, you, yeah. You, you, you'd oh. have to, you'd need medical assistance afterwards. Don't do it. Let me think. Short series that are really cool. True Detective. I uh, I binge watched Mr. Robot season two. I have no, I don't know Mr. Robot. You don't know Mr. No. Robot? Who's in that? You're you're missing out. Uh, Christian Slater is someone you. Okay, know. I know Christian Slater, but it's uh, it got a bunch of I don't I don't know what the awards are for television or those Emmys. Emmys, yeah. I think it, I, if it didn't get a bunch of Emmys, it should have gotten a bunch of Emmys. Right. Season one was a huge success. I think season two was as well. Okay. Yeah. Mr. Robot. Okay. Fair That's enough. So you are one of these binge series guys. I like that. You know, that's nice. I love my series as well. I, I got hooked on... I don't know how many series I got hooked on. But, like, give uh, me an example. Well, I'll tell you my favorite series of all time is The Sopranos. Uh, I don't know if you know The Sopranos, about the Mafia family. Um, James Gandolfini, one of my favorite actors of all time. I love Game of Thrones. New season's coming out this year. Very excited about that. House of Cards, the English version, and the first season of the American version with Kevin Spacey was unbelievable. And the list continues. I'm a big Curb Your Enthusiasm guy as well. I don't know if you like... I never really watched that. Oh, fantastic. If you like Jewish humor... Uh, not just Jewish humor, but sort of this, I suppose there is something stereotypically Jewish about it. Uh, Bobby Hess, I'm sure he'll love it. Um, you should watch that. Uh, yeah, there's there's a bunch of stuff, but when I really get into, oh, some great Scandinavian series as well that I suggest you watch, The Killing. Fantastic season. The Killing, it's called, but you have to watch this the Danish they version. version. They did. Forget that stuff, all right? Oh, Any remake in America of Scandinavian products has to be bad. Get Fair. the authentic, the real stuff. The first season is mind-blowing. So all your Danish, uh, the bridge is very good. I think that was Swedish, not Danish, but anyway. So, yeah, so, so, so okay. Wait, the bridge started as a foreign series? Buddy, well? of course. The Brun. Yeah, all of these American, you know, these uh, yeah, these American uh, series. These Americans just these are, they just steal ideas, you know. Um, what what part of chess do you like? Do you feel like you're really comfortable in endings? Are you good in attacking positions? How how would you describe your style and you know that I'd kind of thing? I describe my style as very good in endings, less good in say Simon Williams style attacks, but. Also, I think I 
do very well in more uh, kind of positional type attacking structures. Knowing when I have chances to gain space, take the initiative, but typically in a more controlled way than, you know, pushing Harry and Gary up the board. So you, I... For example, like my favorite opening is the Catalan. Do you know what? <laughs> I would have wagered quite high on you saying saying that to me because i've got i i did have this theory that you're because uh chess style is very much reflective of who you are as a person right so like simon yeah let's throw the h pawn up the board that is because simon is a bit maverick right and you are a structured you like your structures you like cleanliness you you know you like to be able to calculate it cleanly Yes. So that is why the Catalan is perfect for you, and the fact that you can get some nice end games that you can grind out to a yes. to win. That's beautiful. Where are you? Where are you playing? Are you actually playing online? Are you playing? I'm mainly playing online these days, but I okay. do need to get back into tournament chess. Oh. I uh, I played one tournament three years ago when I okay. was a not nearly as good a chess player as I am now, which I'm very pleased with, and I think. I believe my rating was 1601. 1601. Yes. And this was three years ago, I believe. 1601 is way below what what you're at. That's clear. I mean, the, the way you played against Fabiano. And, so what do you actually have a, a kind of goal? Are you on a bit of a mission if you do come back to playing tournament chess? Would you like to achieve a certain level? No, my, uh, my goal is to be a national master. So my goal is 2200 USCF. There we go. You heard it first here, ladies and gentlemen. 2200. You're 1600 now. So that's a that's a fair jump. Yes. And that's going to require playing a few tournaments. Mm-hmm. Are there any that like any tournaments that you've seen throughout the calendar year? You said, you know, I'd love to play that tournament. Like, there's there's a national open in Las Vegas. I think they probably yeah, so have. Here's the biggest problem for me, which really limits my actual tournament play. Yeah. It's that I typically don't have a ton of control of where I am. And so I'm very much just kind of a slave to is does there happen to be a tournament where I happen to be where I have a day off, which is a lot harder to come by. So I can find time for chess, but it's much tougher for me to find time to travel somewhere for a tournament. Gotcha. So it would have to be in the off season or you can't even... It would have to be, well, the issue is my off season is in season for math. Right. Still in season for math. So, you know, I'm in Boston, I'm at MIT, I'm doing things. So you're gonna to have to wait. And so when you when you finish your PhD, maybe when when is when is it when is that I think up? The thing that I need to do, which I don't want to do, I I love having time to think. The quicker the time control, the worse of a player I become. But somehow I don't want to play these like game and forty five things. I want you know my full like two hours, hour long, my full two hours. Yeah. Well, I think these uh, are harder to come by. They are, but this they still existed. They they still exist in the US for sure. I mean, uh, there. My goal is to. Uh, I certainly want to play in the tournament this summer. Oh, that would be I'm so great. I'm going to get a little bit of time off, and I think I'm going to play in a tournament either in late June or July. And I need to yeah. find one kind of somewhat nearby me. I'm sure we could find you one. I'll even help you out there if uh, if if any help is required. I'm absolutely certain we could uh, we could get that would be great. That would be so great to see you uh, to see you play. Do you think you'd get nervous? Uh perhaps. I mean, I think the best way to deal with nervousness and this has been my kind of take both in math and football is preparation. So if I go and I feel prepared, if I feel like 
I know the things I want to know. Just like before a football game, if I've watched all the film, if I know all the plays, if I've studied my opponent, I might be a little nervous, but I have this confidence because I know that I'm ready. Just like in a chess game, if I go to a tournament and I say, you know what, I'm in good chess shape right now. I feel like I'm firing on all cylinders. I feel like, you know, I know what my first couple of moves are going to be. I know what type of openings I'm going to play. I understand the themes of them. I understand the typical middle game ideas. I'm well prepared if this goes towards an ending. I've done, you know, a lot of practice of calculation to the point where I feel ready. Mm. Then nervousness just goes away. And this is Mm. very much how nervousness goes away in football or nervousness goes away before say a math presentation that, that that's exactly what i was going to say is because you you play at the highest level competitively and my assumption is you would draw on experience from yes there to be able to you know, calm yourself and and apply yourself and 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 uh, maximize your uh, your opportunity even if it's at the chessboard so even under time pressure i imagine has got some parallels with when you're uh, you see a guy running <laughs> running down the field and you've got to block him and you've got that split second where you know that he's going to pass or he you know he's going to make a play and you've got to decide then and you can you know there's all these interchangeable skills would that be kind of uh, accurate to say yeah. Cool. Excellent. So when you become 2200 National Master and I become a GM, we're going to get together and we're going to watch 12 episodes of any series you want with a few yeah. beers. How about that? I like it. I like that. We'll even get Fabi along if he wants. Drinks you want. We'll get the boy Bobby Hess along. And uh, shout out to Robert Hess. For all of you who don't know, Grandmaster Robert Hess uh, is a good buddy of yours. And uh, I've known Robert, worked with him at the Millionaire Chess Tournament, got to know him over the past few years. Top, top guy, doing his own thing. Very successful. Very, very smart guy. And top guy overall. So I'd like to shout out to him for all he's doing. Actually, our producer Macaulay saw him at a fundraising event recently, I believe. Charity yes. event. I was, uh, I was in New York visiting him the weekend before. Right. Okay. He's doing some fantastic things as well. So that's great. So National Master... Uh, PhD whiz, offensive lineman, a genius. Very rarely am I in awe of people and their achievements. I've met a lot of guys over the years uh, who have been number one in their game. The star factor, but with you, I, I get a slightly different feeling. I have, I think what you're doing and the way you can be a role model for a lot of people across a lot of different fields is fantastic. And I just wish you all the luck with the studies, with the, with the, uh, the football. Also, of course, <laughs> most importantly with the chess. Do you have any um, websites or blogs or things that fans can follow you on? Fans of the podcast can follow you on? Uh, yes, they can feel free to follow me on Twitter. My handle is John C. Urschel. Okay. Uh, uh, I do not do much. I don't really do anything in the way of streaming or videos, but one thing that I will be doing in the near future on chess.com, I'll actually be playing an amateur blitz battle on June 21st against uh, this person, Hutch. Who is You're going to be playing Hutch? Okay. Um, you know Hutch. Yeah, I know I'm about him. Well, on June 21st. 21st. Okay. So, guys, make sure you check that out on chess.com. Follow John on Twitter, John C. Urschel. And, uh, John, it's been a real pleasure. And, uh, yeah, I just wish you all the best, man. Thank you so much for uh, for what you're doing. No, thanks for having me on. Well, look, 
I'm going to end it there. We're way over an hour, and our poor producer McCauley is going to have to edit this down to about, I don't know, actually, I think we should keep this as a full episode. I'm going to suggest that to McCauley. In any case, uh, from me, it's a goodbye. Thanks again to John, and remember to check out the Full English Breakfast uh, page. We have our Facebook page. We have our Twitter account as well. You can go to the feb.com, and if you would like to donate and support the show, you can do that. Follow us, support in any way you can. We greatly appreciate it, and we'll be hopefully bringing on uh, some more special guests in the future. But for now, that's all from me. Goodbye, good night, have a great time. Play, play some Blitz chess, you know. Just enjoy your life. What else is there? Cheers. We're going to hook up in the uh, uh, friend sense.